Welcome to the Shalhaba Community Church Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by the following message. Thank you guys. Uh, you can be seated. I want to honour Shane and Rachel, just a beautiful couple. You know, I, I do this a lot, ministering, of course, uh, for God, but I, I just love hanging out with good quality people. And uh, that's what you've got in your pastors with uh, Shane and Rachel. They're the real deal. They love God. They love their family. Uh, Shane can cook a mean beef. And uh, Rachel has the house running like clockwork. Uh, beautiful kids. And so it's a, it's a great privilege and honor to have a friendship. Thank you for having me. I was here about 30 years ago. I, I worked it out. A teenager came down for a surf trip, had family at the Shire. And so we came down with the cousins and slept in the car and uh, looked around for, for surfing different spots. And so uh, it's great to be back uh, 30 years later. I hope it's not another 30 years before I get down here. I love Shell Harbor. I, I could live here. I could. Well, for at least six months of the year when it's warmer, I, I, you know, from October onwards. But it's, uh, it's a beautiful place, and it, what a great church. Congratulations to all of you and your prayers and your faithful giving and serving and seeing what God is doing, uh, building and expanding His church. It's, it's great to be here to share God's Word with you. If you have your Bibles, let's jump straight in. We'll go to 1 John. That's where we're going to kind of unpack uh, the Scripture in chapter 4 today. We live in real interesting days. Don't we? I got a letter in the mail last week, Friday. I got a vote, yes or no, which box do I tick? So we're in real different, challenging, exciting, uncertain times as we vote around what marriage is, as our society wants to redefine marriage, wants to kind of redefine gender, that there's a lot going on, wants to redefine relationships and Really, it's a great opportunity for us as a church to see what we believe, see what the Word of God teaches us, and that's what we're centered on is God's Word. It's not an opinion of man. It's not a denomination. It's God's holy Word that we center ourselves. That's our our truth in our lives. And I think today is a great opportunity just to unpack God's Scripture, maybe have a little look about what, what can we do? How do we respond? Maybe there's something more than just checking a box that God is asking each one of us to do. Uh, there is a, a truth that John uh, wrote to the early church that I want to unpack with you today. I think it can kind of um, relate to us. The context is John wrote this book. He was a disciple, remember, the only disciple not to, be, um, not, not to die a martyr's death, although he was boiled in oil and, and didn't kill him. Amazing story. And John was writing a letter about 50 years after Jesus died and rose again. Now, here's why that's interesting. 50 years later, there's this new generation coming through of believers that hadn't been the eyewitness to what happened with Christ. They, they, they had heard about him through others, but hadn't been there personally. So it's kind of like the second generation of believers in the early church coming through. And they started to get a little bit blasé with their faith. They were a little indifferent. They lost some of their passion. They were kind of heading off the rails. And I don't know about you, but that's so easy can happen for me. My, my, my hunger for God can kind of get waned. I can get busy with church life. And, and church stuff and, and lose sight of my relationship with my Savior. Right. Don't judge me hanging up here. I'm just being real. We, we all can drift, right? And we can get a bit complacent. 
We, we can just kind of take it for granted. We can forget the great love that, that God bestowed upon us through his son Jesus. And so it's interesting that John writes this letter to challenge the church. I feel he's kind of writing it to me and, and to us today because often we can ask, why are we here today? Are you here out of obligation or out of relationship? Are you here out of duty or devotion? Are you here out of indifference or engagement? That's what I love about Christianity. It's a personal walk that we have with Christ. And I think we should be challenged. Where are we at right now in our faith with Christ? And this is what John challenges the early church. So what does he write? What does John write to challenge the church to renew their passion, their faith, their trust in God? Let's have a look. 1 John chapter 4, verse 16. John writes, God is love. All who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. John brings it back to the basics, just like we shared in communion. God is love, verse 17. And as we live in God... Our love grows more perfect. Isn't that interesting? As we follow Christ, our love should grow more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Such love has no fear because perfect love, what does perfect love do? Expels all fear. If we are afraid... It is for fear of punishment. And this shows we've not fully experienced his perfect love. When you experience God's perfect love, it's not out of our works or out of our actions. It's receiving his love and his grace. And we find that confidence. Verse 19. We love, who do we love? We love each other. Why? Because he first loved us. Loving each other is the fruit of knowing God. Interesting. It's one thing to receive God's love, but John's saying, okay, now that you've received this great love, what are you doing with it? What's the responsibility on us as followers of Christ to actually respond to this great love? Wonder if our measure of success is the amount of love that we show to others or the lack of love we can show to others. Verse 20. If someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that person is a liar. John's being pretty straight now. He's just cutting straight to the chase because he's wanting to stir the church up and this thing called love and what we do with it. For if we don't love people we can see, how on earth can we love God who we can't see? Verse 21. He finishes with this. And he has given us this command. This is the command for the early church. This is the command for us today. You ready? Those who love God must also love their fellow believers. Interesting that John didn't say, hey, you need to love the Romans or the Gentiles or those who are lost and are far from God. And absolutely we do. But he starts with the believers loving God each other. Why is that? Why did John say and command for us to love each other in this room? Well, why is that? 
I believe when things are healthy at home, it helps us succeed at work. We know that, right? We're, we're happy wife, happy life. When marriage and, and family is going well, that, that empowers us to, to live out our life and to, it's a great foundation. I think it's the same with the church. When the church is healthy, that positions us to be the benefit for those who aren't in church. Once we're healthy, once we're strong, living this life that God teaches us, that positions us to make the biggest impact in our community. But where there's not unity, where there's backbiting and fighting and bickering, and when the church isn't healthy, kind of erodes our foundation to make a difference in our community. And, and, and the challenges, I believe, in this day and age, there is a storm brewing in our society. And they will be looking at the local church or what do we believe, where do we stand? And so the healthier we are as a church, the great refuge we can be to love and to share God's truth and His grace as our society gets a bit lost and goes haywire. How often do we, instead of loving believers, we can judge believers? How often do we come to church and we see someone, we kind of roll our eyes, oh, you know, we know where they were last week. <laughs> or we kind of judge them a little bit on what they're wearing, or man, they missed, missed the other day, or, or, or we avoid people in church, we see them over there and we think, oh, just go this way, or we come late so we don't have to talk to anyone, or we duck out early so we don't have to be confronted with someone, and kind of we promise to catch up, but we never do, and, 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 and we just kind of go through life but are we loving believers the way Christ commanded us to? Uh, here's why I think it's, it's hard. It's hard to love believers because sometimes believers are hard to love. Come on, let's be real. Sometimes, I mean, I, I can get on with, with guys who don't know Christ. Sometimes believers, they just annoy me. They They do. Because we expect more out of them, don't we? And they know God. We expect them to, to do things a little better. And so it's so often that it's hard to love believers because some believers are hard to love. It's true, isn't it? Put up your hand. If you know a believer who's hard to love, come on, you know someone. You know it, hey. Now, that's not the person next to you, though. You're not, you're not, you're not just turn to the person next to you and say, I wasn't, I wasn't meaning you. But, but we all know a believer, a, a Christ follower, who's hard to love. And it's almost like John saying, look, I know you've got issues and believers are flawed, but it's important, and here's the command, we've got to love. Love is this verb, it's this wonderful word that means so much. It's more than just sitting next to someone in a church service. It's actually caring and, and going beyond and talking and investing and, and praying and supporting. And, and that's what we want to unpack. The other reason why it's hard to love believers, number one, they're hard to love, but number two is often we've been hurt, burned, or abandoned by a believer, haven't we? And, and that hurt causes us often to pull back and, and it's difficult to love when people know better. Let, let, let's be real today. There is that pain that many of us carry through a broken relationship. You know, a relational pain is far greater than a physical pain or a financial pain. That relational pain stings. 
and it sticks because often you, you, you own it and it kind of becomes part of you. And, and maybe you've had a marriage that's failed and, and, and there is that pain in you. Uh, a boyfriend that dropped you or let you down. A Christian that should have known better. A pastor. Oh, here we go. A pastor who may have let you down in the past. A friend, a Christian brother or sister who gossiped or backstabbed you. A business partner that stole from you. How many stories do we have of Christian business men and women or Christian businesses that didn't act in integrity or do the right thing? And there's that bitterness and there's that pain inside of all of us. A, a family member who betrayed you. You know, to be really vulnerable today, pastoring is, is very lonely. Um, it, it's, man, it's more lonelier now um, be, be, than before I, I was pastoring, for sure. My job is to, you know, share God's Word and to love on people and to build the church all about people, right? But it's actually a very lonely place because people see me as a pastor. They don't see me as just a person. And although I do have the title as a pastor, it doesn't mean I'm any better. It doesn't mean I've got it all together. I'm, I'm just, you know, working out my faith day in, day out. But it can put this real label and resistance. So it's hard just to be honest and open. People think I've got all the answers, you know. They, they may be on 3G to God, and they think I'm on NBN, that i got this direct line, and I just hear everything. I know all your thoughts. And as I drive down the road, all the, green, all the lights turn green, and I wash my wife's feet every night before dinner and I pray and poof the food appears you know the, the reality is I'm just a normal guy but this title and labels can really create a distance and a gap and I've got to work super hard to show this love to believers not just hide out in my pastor title but to step out and be vulnerable and to be real because we are called to love Believers. It's interesting that John talked about that fear prevents us from loving. I want to talk about two things that fear does. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. Number one, fear makes you distant in relationships. You, you know, you've been hurt, uh, you, you've gone through challenges, and, and fear makes you distant. Well, we see this in Genesis 3 9, when Adam was walking in the garden. And then the Lord God called to man, that's Adam, where are you? And Adam replied in, in verse 10, I heard you walking in the garden, so I what? I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. The context of the story is Adam was walking with God in a beautiful relationship. He sinned and that caused a separation in relationship. And so he's hiding. And so often fear causes us to be distant. How many of us have built walls around our lives? Uh, you, you'll never get to know what I really think. You, you'll never get to know the real me. We, we can live with our spouse. We can lie inches apart, but they don't know what you're really going through because we become distant from other believers through fear of, of what they might think, fear that you'll let them down, fear of the past when you opened your heart and someone hurt you. And today I want to challenge us the way forward is to understand this thing called perfect love where our confidence is in God, not, not in our ability, 
but it's in the love that God gives us. Because here's the goal of our churches. The goal of our churches isn't just to build more buildings and to get more, more people here. The goal of our church is we would learn to love God, learn to love each other, so we have no choice but to build more buildings as more people come in. So it starts with that love towards God vertically, but we cannot stop the love horizontally towards others. And honestly, as Christians, we're so good at being distant. Hey, how you doing this weekend at church? Everything's great. It's not great. Your morning sucked. It was terrible. You're, you're fighting with your kids in the car. You know, the, the, you're struggling to make your rent payment. There's challenges that you're going on. Yet we feel as Christians we can't be vulnerable or real or open for fear of judgment. And so we distance ourselves. We just put on the mask and we go through life without truly sharing the love. It's, it's a little bit like the, the family photo. Has anybody had a family photo? So the family photo is basically a lie, right? It's an absolute lie. The, the family photo is not who we really are. You, you with me? We all get dressed up and we want everyone to see. So we got a family photo a couple weeks back. You can have a look at it. it we were at a wedding and so we all got dressed up and there's the family photo that we got together that's my wife Bonnie in the middle got four boys and my daughter Abby on the side there and so we all got dressed up and we took this photo and 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 that there is not who we are we never look like that we we don't gather around the dinner table and have that pose you know we don't we we don't stand in the living room together that may be the only time we've stood like that ever in fact, a couple of minutes before, Jaden and Sam were fighting over carrying the, the camera guy's gear. Uh, Finn in the middle, uh, he was climbing a tree and stained his brand new jeans that, that, that he bought. Little Jet in the middle, he got this stick and had ants and he's flicking ants everywhere. Abby's like, what am I? God, why did you give me four brothers? She's still complaining about having four brothers. Me, I'm worried, how much is this costing? Is this by the hour? This has taken forever. How long does it take? And Bonnie, she's been working for weeks to try to put this thing together. But that's not the real us. And so social media has caused us to present this image of who we are. But it's not who we are. It's who we want people to think we are. And so we start living this lie, living in this false world, and all it does is create distance. It creates distance. You know, we've got more friends than ever before, but no one really knows you. We're in this epidemic of social distance through fear of people knowing the real us. Number one, fear makes you distance. Number two, Fear makes you defensive. So we see in the garden, Adam, he responds by, by, by saying, hey, I, I, I'm not going to take the blame for this. Hey, it's not my fault. And so what he does is get defensive. Let's have a look as the first blame game was played, Genesis 3.12. The man said, the woman you put here with me. In other words, it's the woman's fault and God, it's your fault because you put her here. She gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. If you're not a Christian today and you don't know the story, there was one tree that God forbade man to eat. It was the tree of, 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 of life and knowledge. 
uh, of good and evil. And so Adam ate the fruit, and that's where sin entered the world and the separation came. And, and then God said to this woman, what is it that you've done? So now God's challenging the woman. What does she do? It was she blamed, got defensive, and she said, the serpent deceived me, and I ate it. It's not my fault. It, it's your fault. If only I'd married someone different. If only I had gone to university. If only I had taken that promotion. If only I hadn't I got stuck in, in, in this situation. We blame. We, we, we get defensive. And, and when Adam blamed Eve, Eve blamed the snake. And the snake didn't have a leg to stand on. That's got to be the worst joke ever. That's worse than a dad joke. I'm just trying to lighten it up and get some humor. But some of you, you're defensive today. Well, you know, you ask, how's it going? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm doing okay. Or, you know, you, you get, I like your jeans and you're defensive. Well, you know, I, I got them on sale. Or you get defensive when people challenge you. you. You know, you're really doing okay. Of course I'm doing okay. What do you think? Well, what, why wouldn't I be doing okay? What, what, what do you know that I don't know? And so initially we can get defensive when people ask us. That's a good measurement that maybe you're not secure in the love that God's given you. When you're defensive, it creates separation. So what does fear do? Distance and, and, and defensiveness. And, and we need to understand that if our first reaction is being defensive, that, then hang on a minute, there's something wrong in our loving towards each other. So often we just blame others. It's the government's fault. It's school's fault. It's my boss's fault. It's the church's fault is my parents fault we can get defensive and what defensive does it distances us and breaks down intimate relationships you know we may be in one of the most challenging times in history for building deep relationships because with social media we have this perception of having friendships but they're not really are they um you know we spend more time behind screens than ever before, and you don't build intimacy with someone when you're staring at a screen. You need to look at their eyes. You need to have a conversation. And, and you know, my kids and this next generation that just don't do well with interpersonal skills, it's really handicapping them, although they have great uh, opportunity with, 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 with social media, I think it's actually hurting them from developing deep relationships where they can show the love they're designed to to other people. Uh, you know, we're, we're more mobile and less loyal than ever before. If 40 years ago, 3.3 years was the average time we would hold down a job. That was the average length. Um, sorry, currently 3.3 years is how long we hold a job down. So the average person, 3.3 years, not a long time. When you consider just 40 years ago, it was 10 years. So we're after this thing called flexibility and mobility, but the problem is it's the expense of loyalty and deep relationships. Who was born in Shell Harbor? Who was born in Shell Harbor? Put up your hand. You're bold. Come on. You're confident. You're not, you're not, you're proud. Okay, so we've got like eight people. The reason I say that, whose parents were born in Shell Harbor? So you've got two parents born in Shell Harbor, one of your parents? 
So out of this whole room, we've only got two people that are second generation, what do you call them, Shell Harborites? <laughs> what that means is there isn't the longevity or the time to develop those deep, rich relationships. And so building relationships take time, they're just not instant. And so what it means is we have to work even harder because a lot of us have moved in from other locations and may have only been here a few years or less than a decade. So it's even more effort that we need to exert as Christians to build these relationships with other believers. Why? So we can fulfill the commandment of loving God and loving others. So how do we overcome the fear? of being distant and defensive. How do we love God and people the way we were designed? I've got two thoughts. Number one, you've got to take a risk. Loving people is risky. You can't be in control and achieve intimacy. Come on, someone needed to hear this. I'll say it again. You can't be in control and achieve intimacy. You can't keep the upper hand and achieve intimacy. You can't keep an ace up your sleeve and achieve intimacy. You could get hurt. It is a risk, but it's a risk you can't afford not to take because this is the life that God has commanded us to take, to build healthy relationships with other believers. The healthier we are as a church, the more benefit we can be to those who are outside the church because ultimately we want to model what Christ came to give us, which is life and life more abundantly by loving him and loving others. You have to be able to take a risk. What's the alternative? You go through life distant and defensive, that there's no success there. It is painful, it is risky, but it's a risk we cannot not take. You're single, you've been hurt. Don't quit, don't give up. Go out on a date. You're, 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 You've been dating someone, but you've never really shared the real you. It's time to take those masks off. It's time to get real and honest. You're with your spouse, and you're kind of not on the same page. This is a great place to build a healthy church, is in marriages and, and families and relationships. How about you, 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 you share your heart? This is what I'm thinking. This is what I'm feeling. Don't get mad. I, I just want to let you know where I'm at. And that you receive that with love and compassion. That you don't try to fix them or judge them. But you be a safe place where they can share and vent. And we can let the love of God come in and transform us. Because this love is the most powerful force on the universe. It's the answer to our nation. It's the answer to our society. It's the answer to mankind. It's God's love in us and God's love out of us to others. Have you ever noticed with married couples, there's often a prudy and a nudie? Now, let, let me explain here. Opposites attract, right? In marriage, you've got an extrovert and an introvert. You've got a thinker or a feeler. Well, often you kind of have one, one, one part of the, the marriage who's, they're a bit freer with their clothing. You know, they, they don't wear as much and maybe wear their undies or boxer shorts around the, you know, the, the kitchen. But then you've got the other who's often more of a prudy. They, they, they're covered from head to toe. They go to bed with five layers on and, and you know, got the flannelel, uh, you know, clothes that they wear all the time. Say, so often you've got a prudy and a nudie, right? They're opposites, attract. I don't want to know who the nudie is in this room. I'm just an illustration. You just keep that to yourself, all right? 
But the, the issue is, unless you strip the layers relationally, you can't be intimate. And so often in marriages, there's these layers that we carry around and we don't share the real us. And so for you, wherever your relationship you're in, if you're in a relationship with your parents or relationship with friends or, or, or relationship with other people, it, it's time that, that we be honest, that, that we be real, that, that we, we, we get intimate. I, I'm not saying everyone you see you just unload on. I'm saying you choose one or two safe friends, one or two or three you know, safe places and, and you start there. I, 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 I just want to be able to be intimate and real. I, I want to be able to love the way Christ loved me unconditionally. One of the best ways, and this is why the church is modeled to build this love between God and each other, is what we call our connect groups. Now, we've heard this, right? Sometimes, yeah, I'm in a connect group. But, but connect groups are designed for Christians to do life together. The weekend worship is wonderful. We, we come together and celebrate all that God is doing, but it's only half of it. The, the early church, they met together in the temples. They also met together in the homes, broke bread. Man, we need to learn to do life with other believers. We, we need to learn to be in a connect group, start a connect group, build a connect group. It's in the connect group that, where, where the pastoral care takes place. It's in the connect group where Christians take care of each other. You know, it was never, God never set up the early church where the minister or the pastor does all the counseling. We're, 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 our position as pastors is equip the saints in Ephesians 4. So, so you, the body of Christ, does the ministering to each other. But if there's not real intimate relationships taking place, there can be no ministry taking place. And it doesn't stop there. That's a, it's a whole nother message of what we do once we're there, but it starts with us having real, intimate relationships where we truly love other believers. The connect groups are the lifeblood of the church. And as we're in this day and age of such uncertainty, it's so critical that we pour into each other and build these honest, great relationships. Look, if you're not in a connect group, I hope you're being convicted today. I hope you're being challenged. Maybe you're a loner. You're, you're not being intimate and not being real, uh, not being open. I, I pray like John uh, ministered to the early church that God's word ministers to you today because you're the one missing out. You're the one that won't fulfill the fullness that God has for you if you're not able to step into real relationships with someone. And that's what's so beautiful about the church. It creates that, that, that environment through our connect group. So if you're not in a connect group, call the church. Get in a connect group. Email someone. Well, it's not a connect group that, that suits my needs. Start one. You, you get off your butt and, and, and lead from the front. Be the nudie. Get out there. Here I am. I, I want to build relationship. Not physically speaking. I mean, please, don't hate mail to Pastor Shane. We've got to be nudies. But relationally, we want to get real and intimate. The, the last thought, the way we're going to build these relationships is take a risk. And secondly, we're going to build relationships by finding security. Before you take a risk, you've got to risk out of a, a position of strength and security. Where do you find the security? 
intimacy with Christ. So we love others out of the intimacy we receive from Christ. So first, our strength, our security comes from our vertical relationship where we're secure in who we are as a follower of Christ. We understand his great love that's changed us. We know we're forgiven by grace, not by works, that we can walk in that confidence. And out of that security that sets us up to love horizontally, that we can then take that security in who we are and love others. I don't know where you are today, whether you need to work on that relationship with Christ, that vertical love, or whether it's the horizontal love to others, or maybe it's both. But I believe God has sent me here to challenge us as a church. There is a storm going on out there. It's going to get worse before it gets better. The church is the light of the world. It, it, it is the salt. It's, 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 it's the place, the kingdom of God, that he established the local church to expand his kingdom. It can only come when we're in a place of strength. John knew this. John wanted to build the church up by building the love with God and the love with others. And I, I challenge wherever you are to work on building that love with God and with other, and that comes out of intimacy. As the keys come and the musicians come and join us, I'll finish with this scripture. Some guy asked Jesus, what's the most important thing of all? Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. Love, love who? Love the Lord your God. That's where it starts. That's that vertical relationship with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as you love yourself. As, as we go into uncertain times, let us be reminded of the most powerful force on the universe. It's the love of God, the love of God that we can receive freely by grace and the love of God that we can give freely to others. Not a love that's built on judging or critical or, or gossiping or talking bad about people. Let's build unity. Let, let, let's lift people up. Let's believe the best of people. Let's say words of encouragement. Let, let's learn to love fellow believers, even though they're hard to love, right? And, and even though you've been burned and hurt, I get that. That's no excuse not to, because when you know what you've been forgiven of, you have no other choice but to share that love for others. Let's pray. Father, I pray today as we're heading into a real uncertain time in our nation, I pray we'd be reminded of why we're here on earth. It's to love you and to love others. And it sounds real like soft and, and wishy-washy, but that's the gutsiest thing we can do is to be vulnerable. As a bloke to say to another bloke, mate, I'm struggling. I got issues. I got mental illness. Struggling in my marriage. I feel defeated. It issues with porn. I've got financial troubles. To be real, to be honest. You know, the Bible says you don't go to each other for forgiveness. You go to Christ for forgiveness, but you actually go to each other for healing. Father, I pray for healing to come in our churches, to build us up as a body of believers so that we can be a light and an example to others in a hurting world that are so lost, they're so confused in their identity, they're, they're, they're wanting to redefine everything because they don't know who they are. Let them understand that they're children of the Most High God. 
that Jesus came to die and rose again to save all of mankind. And let us as a church lead the way. I want to pray this morning for those of you and, and you're far from God today and that vertical relationship with God has been broken. Uh, maybe you knew God once and you kind of walked away and you've done your own thing and, and you're not intimate, you're not close with God and it's time to own it. You're just putting on a show. Come on, let, let's be real. You're just showing up to the church, trying to look good, but you are far from God. Uh, others, you may have never made a decision to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior. And that's how we receive his love. That's why Jesus died, so that we could be reconciled or restored back to our Father in heaven through Christ. And today, that's why you're here. That God wants to share his love to you, wants to forgive you, wants to change you. He wants you to know this love that is so powerful, it changes all eternity. Because when you accept his love, You'll be born again, the Bible says, and you're off to heaven. This is eternal. What, what we're talking about with this thing called love, it's not temporary. It's not just for this generation. This is eternal. And this morning, you know it, and, and you're being challenged. I, I would love to pray for you with eyes closed and heads bowed, no one looking around. You, you want to make that decision this morning. With Jesus Christ first in your life, you want to make him your Lord. I would be honored to pray for you. If you would just raise your hand and say, yeah, Miles, that's me. Would you pray for me? I, I won't embarrass you or cause you to come down the front, but this is between you and God. Thank you down the front. You can put your hand down. Others, this is your moment to say, yeah, God, I, would you forgive me? I, I want to know this love. I, 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 I want to be real and honest. I, I'm, I'm not walking with you right now. And today's your day to surrender and say, God, I, I, I give my life to you. Forgive me, change me. Just raise your hand if that's you. You know it. That's why you're here. Come on, put it up. Put it up. Lift it up. Let me see it. Don't want to miss this opportunity to see God's great love move in your life. Church, let's pray out loud. For those who raise their hands, let's all pray together. Jesus, I am a sinner. I need a Savior. Save me. Forgive me. Be my Lord. I want to know your love so I can love others. Take my life today. I pray in Jesus' name. Everyone said, come on, can we celebrate how good our God is? Thank you, Pastor Shane.